Well, if you go back to the air pollution, I never knew anything about it really before this business started. And there is no deficit of information at all. But there is a deficit of clear communication to the broader audience. Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson, and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you, your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose. Today, I'm joined by Kate Bernard, CEO of Enjoy the Air. Kate, the self-proclaimed data diva, leads Enjoy the Air's campaigns for clean air which uses data analysis to reveal the hidden costs of poor air quality and brings awareness to to the effect it has on people's health and well-being. Alongside this, Kate is a monitoring officer for Innovate UK, who direct the government's investment to research and development aimed at solving complex problems. Kate also founded Whatbox Consulting, which facilitates partnerships focused on technical research between industry and government. Kate, welcome on the show. And tell us about where you, how you got to and how you got to where you are today. Thanks very much, John. A delight to be here. Uh, so I should wind the clock back, really. And I'm an engineer and have worked at Rolls-Royce for over well over two decades and decided that actually it was born out of frustration that there could be more impact made and that you are bound within a large corporate and it was time to do something new. So the time came for me to take that big, bold step and go all in or rather all out. And I left Rolls-Royce and started off with Whatbox Consulting. And I thought originally that I would just be um, a consultant, but then I didn't enjoy the single point failure-ness of it, the scalability or the lack of scalability for it, um, and wanted to make a bigger impact. And actually through a chance meeting on LinkedIn, one of my clients is now my business partner and that is how we met because he had the belief of air pollution and the passion for it but lives in Australia and the Australian government at the time didn't believe climate change was a problem there was no traction going on there and he'd been trying to work with some of the UK governments and local authorities and was trying to get in with some of the universities and couldn't And basically within 24 hours, I did what he'd been trying to do for well over two years. And we set up a partnership with the University of Strathclyde and the the work we he did with them. And then with me helping him was so good that we felt actually we could found a business for this in its own right. And that is how Enjoy the Air was born. So it's just under three Mm. years old this December. Well, well, what a great milestone. And so just tell us. Tell us about data with, um, you know, air, air pollution. Why is it so important to the work that you do? I think my brain just thinks in systems and really broad. And I see a lot of people answering questions and their success criteria and finding out information that answers just one sole thing. But actually, you need to ask the so what element to it. So there are a lot of sensors out there. There's a lot of money going into sensors and you could go out and it would tell you that your air quality is a three today, 
and you go, John, how does that make you feel? You know, what does that mean to you? Not a it means lot. nothing. No, right. there's no context around it. So how could you contextualise it? And that's where we started to look. And actually, what our research and that and using the data and looking broader at wider geospatial data, demographic data, census data, transport data, and the air quality data is that if the air quality was a three for where you live at home and it was a three in Birmingham and it was a three in Scotland, if I picked up John Higginson and moved you, the impact to you and your health would be really different. And that's what I find quite staggering. Um, So when the government just go, well, our air quality is improving, actually the impact on the community wealth and those individuals and certain demographics, there's a lot of inequity Mm. in there. So why is it like that then? Why is it not standardised? Why is a three not standardised? Is it is it all down to w- what it was previously? So they've got a just random scale. Ah, no, the three is standardised. The bit right. that it doesn't take into context is uh, the buildings around you, the money that goes into healthcare, the transport systems and how people move about. What's poverty like? What is the health of that community like already? And once you put all that in, that three becomes something different. Gotcha. Okay. So what has been, um, so what's been one of your biggest challenges in the work that you've done over the last uh, few years? I'd say there are two. Uh, I was asked once, what was it like being a girl as an entrepreneur? And I said, it's not being a girl, that's the problem. It's being an engineer, that's the problem. It's cognitive diversity. So I have been in a world surrounded with people that when I speak, actually, I feel a bit like the ditzy blonde sometimes in the corner because they are some super smart people at Rolls-Royce. And then I've come out of that community now into a world where people have so many different backgrounds and so many different perspectives and that I actually cannot articulate what I mean to be understood. And that's partly why we started working with, with Higginson's, with you, because I just couldn't describe it well enough. And I was known as that techie geek in the corner. And I thought, Bonnie, how did that happen? That made the guys at Rolls-Royce laugh, actually. (laughs) So that was the first one. The the second one has been, I think, from my world of engineering, understanding R&D, how universities work, how the money flows for R&D, product first. And we went for product-led. And even three years on, we have really probably only just learned that lesson properly in the last six to nine months Uh, and it needs to be market-led and understand that need and I don't feel that that startup community is understood as to how they should be helped I think they're trying to fit them into like the bigger companies of Rolls-Royce of how R&D money is spent Mm. Um, as the government always says it has the valley of death between uh, technology readiness levels TRL four to six and they just want to throw more money at that. How do you commercialise this idea? And so that's how our brains have been working. Mm. When actually what it is, is how do you validate the idea that the market wants it? And how do you co-create it with them? Oh, wow. Well, I do find it surprising that, that that even now you're being asked, what's it like being a girl as an entrepreneur? Uh, I think that probably says more about the person asking you than it does about you anyway for uh, starters. But we won't. I won't. I won't ask you to name and shame. Um, tell us um, what. If, what are you proudest of uh, uh, with Enjoy the Air? Uh, I think one of the things that was really important to me when I left Rolls Royce is that I was always associated with that name. I'm really proud of that. 
but it was being able to be if someone googled me they'd get me on as my own name and now it's kate barnard data diva and enjoy the air that that's become really important because actually i think i've turned into a key person influence and a thought leader for air pollution that's been absolutely brilliant yeah yeah well that's really special moment isn't it and i remember said uh, as someone who's set up my own company and 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 having those little moments that you've got there and you and you see your company's name in in different places and you see yourself in different places it's uh, it's it's a great thing um tell us about what you think makes a really good message simple it's i've learned yeah. the hard way it, people don't want to know everything that's in my head however much i want to know it all <laughs> <laughs> and that you when you try and say something you absolutely bias it by assuming a base level of knowledge because you're ensconced yeah. in that information and that world all the time yeah. and you yeah. have to remove that layer and go down to what feels sometimes so dumbed down to you but actually remember some of these people mm. have never heard anything about it and yeah so assuming no knowledge is is definitely a good tactic and one that all journalists get 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 taught taught as soon as they go to journalism school. It's assume no knowledge from the from the reader, um, and I and I don't really like that term dumbed down because you hear it a lot, and I don't think it's it it's very nice. You know, not having information doesn't mean that you're dumb. It just means that actually you haven't learned learned about that yet. And I think uh, it's certainly a term that uh, I wish wasn't used so much and was just assume no assume no previous knowledge. And I often go in and say assume no pre- previous previous knowledge from me and I get a much clearer message from people and it's much simpler and, and it works better and, and and if someone can simplify their message it means that they understand what they're talking about. Well if you go back to the air pollution I never knew anything about it really before this business started and there is no deficit of information at all but there is a deficit of clear communication to the broader audience. Hmm. Tell, tell us about what um, mediums you use to get information. So what do you read or watch or listen to? Oh, so I I tap into lots of stuff, subscribe for daily things through a broad spectrum. Yeah. I have so, such as. Tell us about those. Uh, about so those, yeah. different newspapers because they have different um, perspectives and different audiences. Okay. So I have about three or four different newspapers um ed uh sustainability money uh to know what's going on in the finance world um vedantics and statistica who do a a lot of uh just general overview then also some of the other thought leaders in uh air pollution and just wider eco things so eco act clean air fund um the various nhs the various government uh, publications and things that are going on so that's just in the morning probably about half hour 45 minutes scrolling through bits yeah. and pieces um and you're using linkedin very effectively i know as well because i'm a i'm a, a, yeah. we're a connection on linkedin so well. linkedin's interesting so when i left rolls royce i had a thousand connections of who i could say that i um knew everybody and I know there are a lot of people who use LinkedIn in that way that they, some of them I've met now have said, oh, now I'll accept your uh, con- connection request because I've met you. And I said, so now it's grown to nearly seven and a half thousand connections 
because I wanted to connect with people who uh, weren't engineers, weren't in Rolls-Royce, were completely um, not associated with that. Also people that I didn't agree with because otherwise I think the algorithms work. It could easily get into groupthink and you end up just hearing it becomes an echo chamber and you end up becoming self-reinforcing in your views and perspectives. So that was really important. And then some bigger um, thought leaders who I'm not necessarily connected to because I've got hundreds and thousands. But one of the best books that I read when I left uh, corporate was uh, Key Person Influence by Daniel Priestley. And that was the one that really helped me understand the impact of communication and repeating almost the same message. You've got to repeat it almost 12 times, I think, before somebody uh, gets it to go in. And the benefit of having that broader network and the answers generally lie in your network. So, yeah. 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 I mean, we got told from and all all politicians get told uh, from political communicators, and as you know, I'm a former political journalist, that it's only when you are completely sick and bored of your own message that maybe the general public has even heard it once. Yeah. You know, so that's that's how much you have to have to repeat what you're saying over and over and over again. Only once you're completely sick of it where someone goes, oh, yeah, I heard you do that. You know, because we can't assume that the general public are listening to this podcast or seeing you in ED or seeing you all over the place. And you might be going, great, I'm all over the place at the moment because you've got your own cuttings book. Um, But everyone else is in their own world and their own their own life and they're only glancing at things here and there just just as we are and so it you do really need to get out there an awful lot just to just to cut through don't you and as you just mentioned there there's so many different ways of communicating and all those things you mentioned you might only spend half an hour on so you might just be glancing you're looking at headlines you're looking at this you might only be picking something up if you go oh I know that person I'm gonna actually read in a bit more detail or or like that person so um absolutely um, are there any communications campaigns that you've been particularly impressed by? You mean that we've done? No, any any that anyone else has done. Is there anything that you think, God, that is really impressive? Um, I look at a lot of the other startups and see how well they're doing. But again, that's a perspective, isn't it? Because you're always comparing yeah. But it's a bit like yeah. a kitchen. You've you've got everything out yeah. in the pantry, but somehow you deliver this plate of food out. Yeah. Front. Is there anyone else that you can name that you think's doing doing very well in that in that space and getting that message across? I think Sean Sutherland. I love just for her yeah. bit, and actually in, inspired by her. And that's how I met you was through her because yes. I was inspired by her. Um, and as I've got to know her, meet her and see her journey continue, I can see how Enjoy the Air's journey and how as a company, our product um, might be completely different and still impact air pollution, but not quite as um, demonstrably as you might first think. It's a bit more um, separated from it, but that that key person of influence is there for the air pollution, because I absolutely feel that that is the problem of that and the data and the linking to population health. Um, and that's inspired me that it's okay that you have this public face and this purpose and it's driving towards something whilst your revenue model and making differences in the background is 
is somehow seem feels slightly removed, but actually isn't in the bigger circle of things. It comes back. Mm. Yeah. Great. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know who Sean Sutherland is. She is the co-founder, along with Frederica Magnusson, of A Plastic Planet, who um, uh, my communications agency, Higginson Strategy, has been working with for at least six years. Uh, she is the first podcast guest on the Communicating uh, uh, Purpose podcast. So if you're listening to this and want to find out who she is, she's the first one. So have a listen to that. Uh, but as Kate says, she's an absolutely brilliant communicator. And whenever she gets on stage and talks anywhere, she gets so much buy-in. Absolutely brilliant. Alongside Kate as well, who's great. And if you're, and if you're listening to this, have a look at some of the other stuff. Um, so um, just what do you do to de-stress? I know that you've got, a, um, you've got an injury at the moment, Kate, so it's probably quite hard for you. But tell us how you normally de-stress. Ah, well, I'm, I'm getting back to it on Sunday. I've had to pause my gym membership and I can get back in the swimming pool from Sunday. And just being Great. in water, I think, is the only thing that gets my brain to turn off. Because even Great. when I'm walking the dog or things, I'm still thinking. And I love the fact if I'm, I know people say they go out walking and they have podcasts and things. Actually, I like to have nothing because I like to just hear the nature around me. I find that really helps. And interact nice. with the dog. Um, yeah. And that's my time. So are you outdoor swimming or are you swimming in the pool? No, swimming in the pool. Uh, and to start with, I think from my knee surgery, I might be allowed to actually swim. And because of it, that's probably nearly 18 months since I've last physically been able to swim. So I could do stretches and things in the pool. So it could be quite an exciting moment. It's going to be an exciting weekend. Yeah. Look forward to hearing what that's what that's uh, what that's like. Well, but, yeah, text on you... Monday morning saying that the physio has told me off again for overdoing it, probably. Oh. Well, um, well, I, I hope I hope it's not that. I hope you can get back to enjoying your favourite uh, form of re- recreation. Um, if you could give yourself one, your younger self, one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, there is that bit of don't worry what others think so much, and I think that only starts to disappear once you go over forty. And I'm late forties now, and now I've become a grumpy old woman. I think, and and become the fact I don't care what people think about me, or what you look like. It's all about wit and charm. Not at all. Not at all. I don't think I don't think anyone would say that you're a grumpy woman. I think quite the opposite. I think, uh, but um, but I do uh, concur with being over the age of forty. And caring a bit less about what people think, I think you know that's uh, that's certainly a good one. If you if if you still care massively about what people think yeah. at the age of forty, time to time to give up on that. You know, um, and the other bit <laughs> it doesn't mean let yourself go. Is uh, be kind to yourself actually, because I think we're always yeah. beating ourselves up over stuff, and sometimes yeah, yeah we're too, we're our own worst critic. Kate Bernard, CEO of Enjoy the Air. It's been great having you on. Um, Communicating Purpose with myself, John Higginson. Today's episode was produced as ever by Joe.